Welcome to another episode of the Trusted Advisor podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. Our goal on the pod is to accelerate the success of today's and tomorrow's leaders in the retail IT industry. I'm Jim Roddy back with you again. Thank you so much for joining us. In this episode, we'll discuss technology trends in label printing with two team leaders at RSPA member Star Micronics. So first, John Levin is a 17-year veteran of STAR and for the past four years has served as a director of product management. He's also had roles as a sales engineer, systems integration coordinator, and product integration manager. John, always great to talk with you, and it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. Wonderful. And uh, joining John is Kate Orara. She is a partner development manager at Star and host of the Rising Stars podcast. Prior to joining Star 18 months ago, Kate held marketing and sales positions at SpacePole, Citizen, and National Service Center. So she spent 18 months at Star and now 18 years in the industry. Kate, this isn't the first time we've been on a podcast with each other. You had me on episode 30 of the Rising Stars, where we talked about navigating the modern retail landscape. So it's great to be a podcast with you once again. It, it's The pleasure is all mine, and I had a great time at our last conversation, so hopefully people tune into to the Rising Stars podcast as well, and I'm looking forward to this conversation with you and John today. Right back at you. So we know if the conversation goes better, John gets a credit. If it's not as good, <laughs> you can kind of fill in the blanks from there in terms of where it goes. <laughs> I'm all sure right. it'll all be fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure it just gets better, just like the channel gets better and better every day. So That's right. Yeah. All right. So I, I want to give our audience a little peek behind the scenes. So John and Kate had proposed today's topic. And so I met with them and Kristen Dorner. She's a content and media uh, manager at Star. And so we talked this through. And so prior to this conversation you're hearing, uh, you're going to hear today, um, they got me up to speed on three trends. And so what we're going to do is I'm going to bring up the three trends. John is the uh, going to handle the technical aspect of it. That's more of his specialty and his experience. And then Kate is is going to help connect the trend and the technical aspect of it in terms of what VARs and ISVs should do. And then the job for all of us, all three of us, is to make sure that we have fun. So, all right. So let's talk label printing tech trend. Number one, it's new delivery avenues require new labeling solutions. So, John, can you expand upon that, please? Yeah, absolutely. So we get everything in different ways now than we used to. You know, it's something that you know, we think about the pandemic, right? And it changed how we get food, how we get goods. But these were trends that were happening already, right? That were just accelerated during that time um, to become that much more omnipresent in our lives. Um, so in in the food world, right? Restaurants, whether it's QSR, fine dining, full service, any kind of restaurant now, the online ordering portion of their business is is significant, right? That's something that almost every restaurant has to think about in their workflow in the kitchen and even the layout of their restaurant right is all changing to accommodate the online ordering side of the business um it's not just pizza anymore or or you know sandwiches and things like that it's it's any restaurant that you would dine in at you you order online at now um and it's very common right whether it's their own delivery service or a third-party aggregator like grubhub doordash uber eats something like that uh it's grown 300% since 2014. And it's not, again, it's not just a pandemic thing, right? It's projected to grow 20% year over year, every year uh, going forward. So it's just the norm now. Um, and that really changes how kitchens and restaurants have to operate. 
you know, you think about um, how things were when you just went to dine in, right? Whether it was a QSR or a full service restaurant, you know, they would take the kitchen ticket, stick it under the plate, and that would kind of travel with the plate. Or maybe I'd go to Jimmy John's or something like that, and I'd kind of walk along the counter ordering my sandwich. And then at the end, they would print out a receipt and give it to me. Uh, when a significant portion of your business and the, the average for a restaurant is about 14% of their business is online ordering. But of course, that varies wildly mm -hmm. uh, across individual businesses or the, the category. Um, when you've got orders that are coming in and then just sitting there waiting to be picked up, you have to organize that, right? And that's where labeling comes in. Just having a Sharpie writing on the bag and sloppy handwriting. You know, you think about Panera or something like that. You walk in, there's shelves of to-go orders and you have to look for your order or a DoorDash driver has to look for that order. Having a printed label makes that just much more efficient. Um, so restaurants are really changing how they operate and incorporating labels more to facilitate that and make it just run a lot more smoothly, fight mistakes and things like that. Um, but it's throughout the, the the food service industry, right? You know, you think about Starbucks, right? I don't go and wait in line anymore at Starbucks. I order on my app. Half the time I'm ordering from the parking lot or I might even be ordering from waiting in line at Starbucks. And then I go and I, and I search for my cappuccino among a pile of other hot drinks, uh, you know, at a growing portion of the counter at Starbucks, right? And they're all nicely labeled because it just breaks down if you don't do that. Um, so the way that we're getting all of our food is, is different. And it's not just hospitality, right? It's not just the, the restaurant and food service space, it's, it's retail too. Um, whether it's food or retail good, you know, other retail goods, the store is different now. We're, we're picking up things. We're doing a lot more curbside ordering. You know, I go to my grocery store or Target or Walmart or something like that. A bigger portion of that parking lot is for curbside pickup, you know, what would have been just regular parking spaces before. Um, and that's kind of the norm, you know, the big trend I've noticed, and that was, again, kind of, something that was a very temporary thing during the pandemic, but now is permanently, I've, you know, I've my target I go to all the time, right? They're, they've totally reconfigured the store because a big portion of that store is kind of curtained off and it's shelves for to-go orders. Mm -hmm. um, again, you've got to label all that. That's, it, it breaks down if you don't label all that. You know, retail stores are kind of like warehouses now, and that can be a, a very literal thing. You might, um, you know, have a local store kind of be your local inventory for your e-commerce that happens all the time. So it, it all breaks down if you're not labeling things. So that that need for, for labeling and kind of that new environment of so many different avenues for how we get things mm -hmm. is just increasing exponentially. And it's yeah, not and just... It's Oh, if I can just add, it seems like what you're saying is like, if you have this, it's a man. First, if you don't identify things, it's like you just can't have this system, but it seems like that's where the trend is. But also anything that is more manual is going to create 
problems like if, like you said about writing on the cup i still think my wife her name is barbara she goes by barb and so when she ordered something you think barb like how hard is that she right. goes to get her drink at starbucks and it said parp p-a-r-p <laughs> uh so it's, it's how they're the famous it. starbucks thing right yes it's almost like they do it intentionally just so you can get yeah. uh, more branding out of it but then also we just went to a, a walmart we had we ordered something they my, my wife found that it was available reserved it and then we said well we're going by there anyway let's see if we can get it early it wasn't on the shelf we got the alert hey and then we said where do we go pick this up they had us go all the way around and they had 20 something parking spaces and about half of them were full and they were bringing out like giant carts of stuff and you're thinking man there are people who like this is the only way that they shop now so that's why i guess i'm, I'm kind of expanding and if you can just add to it john before we yeah. have kate talk about what vars and isvs can do about this people run this oftentimes through their own personal filter and say well i haven't done as much of this but it sounds like what you're saying is yeah but like if it's 14 percent now it's only going to get more and more uh, as the years go on yeah, absolutely and i can tell you as a as a parent of young kids being able to just Pull up to the, uh, you know, a parking spot at the grocery store and have someone throw all my groceries in the back. That's convenient. So, you know, you kind of have to put yourself in, in the shoes of, of different people and and see where that really fits into people's lives. But absolutely, it's it's a growing trend. Um, you know, in the pandemic, it was something that we all kind of got a little comfortable with. And a lot of people just ran with it. And it's something yeah. that stores have to to adjust to permanently now. Yeah. And I have an 18 year old daughter. She wants to order something from Milk Lab. We don't go there and order and wait. She's ordering as we're walking there. And then you walk in and there it is, the drink with uh, with her name on it. So, yep. all right. So that's the trend. Again, uh, the overarching trend for this is uh, new delivery avenues requiring new labeling solutions. So, Kate, what do you want to add to this trend? And then how does it really apply to VARs and ISVs, not just consumers as we've been talking about? So yeah, just to expand on it, that you know, these this is the standard now. Delivery, pickup, carryout, it's now the standard, and it's what consumers are expecting. So restaurants, retailers, they have to keep up and make the appropriate adjustments to their businesses in order to remain rel relevant. So for resellers and software companies, they need to have options in their arsenal to provide these end users. Um, and actually, what I've noticed from the ISV standpoint is that you know, you have some of these larger delivery carryout platforms, um, and some of those may have they may have fees associated to them to the end user. So a lot of ISVs, what they're doing is creating their own platform that's that almost competes with those larger those larger delivery uh, those op options. So that is something that they that an ISV if they if they can do it and they have the manpower to actually create their own online delivery online ordering platform they actually can be even more successful and help these end users avoid those fees um, I do think in those cases it's imperative that these ISVs work with companies to put together you know, put together that something in their platform and integrate with some sort of labeling printing solution. Um, and, and think of that from on the forefront. Don't wait until later. Like start thinking about it now is always the, the key is to think ahead. Yeah, it seems like it was almost, I want to say pre-pandemic thinking, but it was, oh, it'd be nice if you had this option. But it sounds like what you're saying is either these ISVs have to create it on their own, or we've seen inside the RSP a lot of ISVs partnering with each other where they're saying, hey, this is our core offering. Your core offering is this. Let's see how we can have some sort of integration 
together. Is that kind of what you're seeing as yeah. well? Like the ISVs need, to, if they've been creative, they need to be even more creative to fill what's uh, going to be a requirement for 14%, 15%, 16%. Absolutely. And I think, you know, it, it just kind of referring back to retail now and even like our podcast that you and I did, Jim, we talk about the importance of partnerships within the channel to provide a cohesive solution for the end users. And for this particular trend, I think this is something where absolutely people, the different companies, ISBs, resellers need to partner with one another, use each other's strengths to battle um, the challenges that these end users are facing. Got it. Yeah, that's the upside. And then the downside is like, if you don't do it, someone else is going to fill that mm -hmm. gap for you. So you've got to make sure you're able able to provide that. So, Correct. Yeah. All right. So let's talk trend number two. It's more consciousness related to food safety and allergens. And then along with that, there are new media options that enable execution of you know, making uh, folks alert of food safety uh, and allergens. So, John, can you give us the details behind this trend? Yeah, so there's there's a couple sides of this that I can talk about. You know, one is literally, you know, labeling any food item, prepackaged food item, for example, with any allergens it contains. And and this is, you know, the the FDA in the U.S. has required since 2004, I think, it was legislation um, labeling of food items with any allergens that it contains, right? And this is a growing trend. So. Just last year, the FDA gave some new guidance on making sure people knew how to follow these regulations. And you look at even around the world, right? In UK, Natasha's Law in, I think, 2019. And Australia, just uh, in 2021, they made some new regulation around it. So it's something that globally everyone is putting a lot of attention now. So it's not just a, an afterthought. You you need to to have the capability to label these things. Um, and it's kind of married with the trend, right, of a lot of carry out and, and prepackaged food and other things happening in, in the food space that this is should be top of mind for, for ISVs, for resellers, for anybody um, that, that this needs to happen. Um, and then the other side is, is in the kitchen, right, is food safety as far as uh, consumable food items, you know, your lettuce and tomatoes and chicken and things like that, right? People have always been labeling these in the kitchen um, for freshness, right? With date codes and things like that. But it's usually been a, a manual thing, right? A Sharpie or a little date code, color-coded sticker or something like that. But the technology's come to a, a point where there's a lot of solutions out there on the market, a lot that we work with um, that are digital solutions. Maybe it's a tablet or, or some sort of computing device where you're printing out date codes that are going on a bin of, of produce or meat or something like that. And then it's going in, in your fridge to make sure that you're both tracking the item with a label and mm -hmm. then digitally tracking that to make sure that one, everything that you have in your kitchen is fresh and you're not hurt, you know, harming your, your diners. But also you think of it from, you know, your, your kitchen is the warehouse of the restaurant, right? It's where all your raw goods sit. So if you're running that officially and controlling what, you know, reducing waste and things like that, we know that restaurants are a notoriously low margin business, right? So if you run your kitchen more efficiently, waste less, that's just goes right to your bottom line. So 
labeling and this kind of date code labeling, making sure that you're cycling out, you know, ingredients quickly and, and not wasting things that have gone bad uh, is is very beneficial. And, and labeling is a big part of that. And, and you mentioned what I think is an important point is it's not just the labels are being printed and then they're being stuck on so you can read it, but it's integrated where there's digital tracking. So there can be an alert that says, hey, you, you know, identified again, this lettuce that's yep. going to be expired on 10-7. Here it is now 10-8. Have you discarded that yet? Because if not, you're relying on human beings to be reading it every time. And a lot of times you're yep. just moving super fast in the kitchen and you look and go, it seems fine to me, but you know, you don't know how it is. Is that part of this as well, where um, it's not just the end result of the label being printed, it integrates with the entire system. So there's alerts. And again, it's reducing the amount of human error and the amount of people, you know, who are going to have problems uh, when they're engaging with it. Am I, and understanding that correctly yeah that's a perfect understanding right the, the label is kind of half the solution but the really the full solution just like in the point of sale world or, or anything else in our world is around the isv it's around software that's the solution right the printed label is kind of the end result of that um so yes you know it becomes really important and ideally that's going to tie into your point of sale and integrate with all the other you know pieces of the stack uh, that go into a restaurant to just make it a really seamless efficient operation. Great. Kate, uh, what's your take on this trending about food safety and allergens and then the new media? How should solution providers, how should ISVs react? I mean, I, I would just state the obvious to some of these end users and, and really make sure that they're being coherent with, with the regulations. Um, food safety and allergen labels should be something that um, solution providers should take extremely seriously. I mean, just to expand on the subject that John talked about with Natasha's law and uh, the Food Allergen Labeling and Consumer Protection Act, um, uh, FDA said about, about approximately 2% of adults and 5% of infants and young children in the U.S. alone have some form of food allergy. So it's estimated that 30,000 people require emergency room treatment and 150 of those die every year due to allergic reactions. So, I mean, you'd hate to do a scare tactic, but I would do a scare tactic. This is not only a measure that, potent, that potentially costs someone his or her life, but businesses that don't properly label their food risk major lawsuits on their hands. I mean, it's more than just someone's lives. You got money associated to that as well. Um, so solution providers should always be encouraging businesses that sell prepackaged and prepared foods to have proper labeling on their packaging to protect their overall business and health and safety of their consumers. Um, so the question really should be is when the solution providers are talking with these end users who sell food or work in restaurants or anything is what what's your labeling solution for your packaging to assure you're adhering to proper labeling laws or what does your pos solution offer for labeling so just making sure that um that letting them know that there is that option because they may have not even thought about it or it's something that is it, it becomes an afterthought i think people the the printing aspect is like the last thing that they think of um hardware all that stuff that's the last thing that they think of and sometimes it's needs to be a little bit further in advanced in the decision making process yeah, you saying that can't reminds me, I'm going to show here my ignorance of alcohol, um, where there was, uh, they thought it was orange juice back in the kitchen, but it turned out to be, is it a mimosa that has orange juice and champagne mm -hmm. or something mm -hmm. in it together? And so they look both like orange juice. Well, a little kid wanted orange juice, they pour it into the sippy cup. 
again, if it's a mimosa, uh, you know, then there's the kid, you know, they're giving them alcohol and then the kid, you know, wants a refill or something like that. And so um, there's that. So, uh, you know, there are those anecdotes. And then can you talk about, Kate, the importance of if you're going to be a trusted advisor, you need to know not just about the technology, but also about those regulations, right? That's big in the cannabis Absolutely. industry. But like I said, as we're talking about the food service industry, there are a lot of regulations there as well. Is that something you see the, that, that solution providers can play as well, that they can counsel the restaurateurs who might not be up to speed on all that? And if the restaurateur is up to speed, at least they know they're speaking the same language. Is that, do you Absolutely. think that this could be a trusted advisor role as well? Absolutely. I think the more you educate yourself on all these different rules and regulations and things that can um, help end users. Because a lot of times you're right. The the end user does know. They should know. If they don't, then maybe they're not doing the right. Maybe they need to have a, a partnership with somebody else that does. But you need to be versed in it and you need to be asking those questions because, and and, and like you said, it, see yourself on the same wavelength with that end user because at the same time, then they're like, oh, you know what you're talking about. I trust you. I, I, I think we can actually work together and, 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 and in tandem to make sure that we have a cohesive solution that's going to work for my business. Great. Yeah. You've got to be able to talk work with them, right? You can't be like, what regulations? I'm not, I'm not up to speed on those, right? They're like, let me talk to somebody who knows more than just what they're trying to sell me. So, all right, we're going to pause here to let our listeners and viewers know about the Retail Solutions Providers Association. This isn't for John and Kate. They already know about the <laughs> RSPA. Uh, the RSPA is North America's largest community of VARs, software developers, vendors, and distributors in the retail, restaurant, grocery, and cannabis verticals. The RSPA is a perfect fit for any organization that's serious about growth in those markets. And an RSPA membership is never Never been more valuable or more affordable. Annual memberships start at just $250 a year, that's 68 cents a day, and just three uh, for VARs, and just $300 a year, that's 82 cents a day uh, for software startups. Accelerate your success in the retail IT channel by joining the RSPA community today. Also, we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSP community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsor is Blue Star. Our gold sponsors are CoCard, Heartland, ScanSource, and drumroll please, Star Micronics. Thank you for your support. Uh, to receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. And then finally, registration is now open for Inspire 2024, the Retail IT Channel's premier leadership conference. This year's event is set for January 28th through 31st in Puerto Rico. Register today at gorspa.org forward slash inspire so you too can experience networking nirvana. Again, that's gorspa.org forward slash inspire, one of my favorite events of the year. For sure. I've, I've been saying that even before the RSPA <laughs> paid me to say that. That's been an awesome event uh, for sure. Looking forward to it. All right. So the final trend we're going to discuss today is going green. Now, going green means not only reducing media consumption, but also saving money. So, John, can you talk about those two aspects of going green? Yeah, and this is, a, this is a topic I love talking about because, you know, Jim, as you know, I, I've worked with a lot of ISVs over the years. Uh, and continue to. So when I, you know, I talk to them now, a lot of our our biggest partners, these are huge tech companies, right? To, one of the first things they mentioned to us is their is their environmental, their ESG initiatives. <clears throat> uh, it, what does ESG stand for? Environmental, social, and governance. So okay. this is all of the, you know, that you're doing the right things for the world, kind of, uh, you know, 
Um, and it's a it's a hot topic for a lot of these big companies that you know they have big uh, big initiatives that are all encompassing, right? And they expect their suppliers to to partake in that, to to do the right things to help them in their environmental goals. Um, and so it's it's very top of mind for for these big partners for for I think for for ISVs and VARs, uh, and it really can can dictate who gets their business. You know, so it's something that that uh, manufacturers like us or or VARs need to to think about when you're when you're talking to these ISVs and other partners. Um, so in our world, one of the things that were the the easiest way for us to to tackle the environmental challenge is by looking at kind of the one and at least in direct thermal printing and label or receipt printing is the one consumable thing, which is the media, the paper uh, or the labels. Um, so as we, we've been talking about today, the label printing is not going down. It's it's only increasing the need for it. So the amount of labels being printed is is only going to increase. But the way that we can tackle that environmental challenge is whenever possible is by removing that liner, right? So you think about a label, right? You peel off the backing, you stick the label, and then that backing goes in the garbage. And that backing is, you know, roughly half the roll, right? Half the roll labels, that's half the weight, half the material going in the trash. Um, so it's not great for the environment, right? You know, very obviously. Uh, but thanks to a lot of advancements in, in the printers that are printing labels, as well as the media itself, stores have all kinds of uh, options when it comes to what we call linerless label media. So you think about linerless label, it's that's literally labels without that backing. It's kind of just like a roll of post-it notes, if you will, very simply. Um, so I, I have to ask, because I almost feel like if you put me have a science project for that, like it would just be jammed <laughs> up and you couldn't peel the label off. So can you talk about that? Like you said, is it like a post-it note or that it's not fully, like, how does that work? Yeah, and it can it can work in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, it's been around for some time where you kind of had dots of adhesive on the back of the paper, and then you'd have kind of a black mark in between that. So the printer would cut in between the adhesive. And now that's not necessary anymore, okay. right? So the the coatings on on all the printers on the market that are that are built to to tackle this kind of linerless media are such that you can have full adhesive coverage just rolled up, you know, on a on a roll of thermal paper hmm. um, and have that pass through a printer, cut through the adhesive and not cause challenges. You know, of course you have to periodically clean every couple months or something like that and make sure the adhesive is not building up so it continues working smoothly, but it works really well. And that, you know, so now you're, you're, you're talking the whole label is something you're gonna, the whole roll is something you're gonna use instead of half of it being something you're throwing away. Um, so that's just really efficient, cost efficient, and environmentally good. Um, but you think about shipping paper and labels, they're, they're heavy, that's expensive to ship. So there's that carbon footprint aspect of the whole life of the of the label of going from a factory to a distributor to us to you know a, a restaurant. Um, and, and it's just much better as far as carbon footprint when you take a, off that liner as well. And there's a lot of operational improvements as well, right? You know, of course, one, you, the person sticking labels onto a Starbucks cup doesn't have to peel and stick. They just take it off the printer, 
put mm-hmm. it on there. They don't have to think about where that liner is going. You know, a lot of times it goes on the floor and by nature, they're real slippery. So those build up, they get to be a little bit of a slip hazard. Um, so it just makes it a lot more efficient. Um, and it's something that, you know, now you have, you know, when I started doing this and all we had was kind of a, what we call sticky linerless, which is, I means it's repositionable like a post-it note. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and that's great. You know, it works. It's great for a lot of applications. You think about like a, you know, the bin in a grocery store for a to-go order. You know, you want to be able to put a label on there and then take it off and then relabel it later. You don't mm-hmm. want a permanent label. Um, but a lot of applications, you want to seal a to-go bag or something like that. You want a permanent label. And that used to just be, you know, your die cut kind of peel and stick labels. But now even that, that permanent adhesive that that's going to stick on and not come off, even that can be linerless now with with the advances in the printer and the media technology. So it's, you know, really exciting stuff. That's that's going to be great news for for all kinds of restaurants and, and retail businesses. Got it. Great. And so, John, I want to ask you a follow up and then, Kate, I'm going to ask you the same follow up. And then I have, Kate, you know, another VAR ISV connection thing. So, John, like so when ISVs and VARs are talking to the end users, is it like do you figure out, hey, are they more environmentally friendly or is it just more a bottom line thing, right? In terms of save on shipping, you know, you don't have to, you know, throw as much stuff out. Like, is it you present both at the same time? Is you feel out where they are or where do you like what, what I guess what have you heard your successful ISVs doing and then Kate I want to see what you're hearing from uh, the folks you talk with so yeah you know I would say it's both right everyone is impacted by the bottom line everyone wants to save money um, so that that approach is always going to work right whatever you're talking about labels or anything um, but again it's you know I think that I towards the env- environmental side of it is is really starting to where before it was kind of just a a nice thing to tack on. Um, you know, uh, but, people would say, hey, tree huggers like this uh, yeah, stuff, but that right, was like a fringe exactly. kumbaya kind of thing. But I think now it's, you know, it's much more of a top of mind thing for people. They, they're even willing to spend a little bit more and, you know, oftentimes to be able to say that, that they're doing the, doing the right thing. They're doing the environmental thing. Um, so it does, it does resonate, but yeah, there's nothing like okay. go, going towards the bottom line and, and, and going with that approach. All right. And then Kate, when you, the uh, solution providers you interact with, like, how are they approaching this? Do they talk, do they lead with money? Do they talk environmental later or do they, they kind of feel like, do you care about the planet? Yes or no? Oh, if you don't, let's just talk about the bottom guilt, line. So. Guilt them into it. What are you doing right. to save the globe? Um, yeah, do you have grandchildren? You know, do you want them to have a planet? So, planet. Yeah, so yeah. I guess what, what, do you, what do you see your successful VARs and ISVs? How do they approach this conversation? You know, it's it's all the same thing like with the FDA laws. It's education. Um, it, you, you want businesses to be obviously be relevant. So labeling is, a, is one of those things. You're either going to get with it or you're not. Just like self-service, you're either going to get with it or you're not. Or online ordering, you're going to do it or not. Um, so in order to remain relevant, you need to take this measure. Um, going green, it's it's an expectation just as a society. And um, it, it's because there's so much that goes into going green. I remember my previous employer that there was a whole big initiative just to make sure everything was green from operations to the vendors that we were using. 
Um, but saving money, I think, is probably, you know, you always, you know, it's great to talk about how you're with the trends or ahead of the trends or you're going green, you're saving the planet. But at the end of the day, businesses are like, what can I do to save some money or stretch it further? And so and I'm going to get I'm going to geek out a little bit here. So uh, just to John, you said it was a, a half of the role, but liners, liners labeling actually is a, is a third. So it's a, it's but that's still a lot. A third of the entire media role. Um, is the liner itself. So removing the liner itself gives businesses more printable media while reducing the waste and overall costs. Um, implementation of the liner list labeling is growing. Um, and they're basically just that. It's it just like he said, it's it's the paper of the back of the label no longer exists. So it's just it's ready to go. It makes things it's easier, it's quicker. You move forward. The liner list labeled market size in the U.S. alone was valued at 1.7 billion in 2022, with the expectation to grow over 4% from 2023 to 2029 to about 2.3 billion. So it just so happens that getting to get with this trend, help these businesses save money, save money, show them that this is something that they need to invest in. Um, And actually, you know, what's great about um, because there's there's different types, you have that permanent the permanent lineless label and then the sticky, the the removable one. Um, and it actually just so happens that, you know, John and the, the team at Star has created a really fantastic multifunctional printer printer like the MC label, um, which basically allows uh, exceptional print quality on all types of linerless labels, die cut labels, continuous labels. So those that just don't stop, they just keep going. And even thermal printer with one SKU. So you don't have to worry about changing the different types of printers. And it's all about the technology that's in the printer. Um, so it, it, again, it's education, I think, is the key thing for these ISVs and for the um, the resellers. It's just making sure that they're educated on the subject and being able to communicate that to the end user. So and perfect. how often can you oh, go, ahead, John. go green and save money at the same time? It's not often that you mm-hmm. get to pitch something in that way. So it, it's a pretty easy sell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Kate, I want to follow up with you on that and kind of use what you just said about education and talking about, you know, the financial aspect of it. So, like, I've been hearing about green initiatives for quite a while in this industry, but I hear it only from manufacturers, I only hear it from vendors. I don't know if I've ever had a VAR or an ISV talk to me about green initiatives. If I have, it's like one or something like that. So can you talk, educate you know, the folks who are listening to this? How can this bring them more business? How can this help them serve their merchants better, right? We said if people are like, yeah, green, shmeen, right? If like, hey, this is going to impact your your bottom line. Can you talk about that? Like how can you educate the, the listeners in terms of how this could benefit them financially? Well, I think the end users are are also very green initiative. Um, so it, yeah, yeah. For an instance, like a reseller is like it doesn't matter to me. You know, the 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 manufacturers like Star, like we have an eco friendly printer, we have all that type of stuff going on. Um, so that's important as well. But end users are there. You hear them tooting their own horn all the time about things that they're trying to do. And so if a reseller is able to come to them and provide them a solution that's going to help them be even greener. Yeah, of course, that's going to be that's going to resonate very quickly with this end user. And the thing is, at the end of the day, too, like I said, 
goes back to saving money too. So even if maybe an end user is not with the green initiative, um, once you sell them on the fact that, well, you're going to save money because you don't have, you're going to have more media to print on. And then you're also potentially going to save money from any lawsuits because you have liners just all over the place and your baristas are running around slipping and sliding because there's line. It's, you know, so do you really want to deal with that either? So it's, it's, it's kind of a twofold or a two prong scenario. Got it. I can Thank you for that. Oh, go speak ahead, John. to the ISVs a little bit, you know. So I think, you know, the, and with a small ISV, that's probably true, right? They're, they're the first thing they're thinking about is not their environmental initiatives. But as we know, as happens in this industry, right? The big ISVs get bigger and kind of swallow up the industry. And we've certainly seen that happening over the last handful of years it's the it's these big companies the public companies or the you know they're the ones that are they're they're really almost forced now just by the market to to adopt strong ESG initiatives um and that's what's driving this you know almost to the degree where it's the other way around right it's these big ISVs that are are pushing us to to think more green more green what can we do differently how can we change our packaging for our printers you know not just for you know talking about labels and linerless labels but even you know how do we remove plastic and all that kind of stuff um it's being driven by these big ISVs you know to to a large degree Great. Thank you. So we've covered the three trends. I have one more question. We have just a couple minutes left, but I'm hoping each of you uh, can address these. So during our prep call, we talked about specific trends inside niche verticals that tie in with label printing. Again, a lot of what we've talked about is, is food service today. But one of those was uh, Instacart in grocery and then also barcodes in dry cleaning. So, John, if you want to go first, I'm hoping each of you can provide maybe some details related to these advancements that our listeners should know about. Yeah. So, it you know, it goes to a lot of what we've been talking about today and, and what you mentioned earlier, Jim, uh, with software, right? So a label is kind of a great bridge from the physical world to the digital world. So in things like, you know, a dry clean is a great example, right? Pretty often now I'm starting to see on my shirts and stuff that I'm getting laundered, they'll put a little tiny little barcode label on the hem of my shirt. And that allows them to track it through the process, even track it from, you know, one trip to the next trip and, you know, log in software, maybe where a, a stain, a pre-existing stain was or something like that, or a tear or something they've got to fix. Um, uh, you know, allowing that kind of tracking of a physical thing through that process and connecting that to their digital world is is where the label comes in, right? Something with a barcode on it or something like that. So you think of anything, you know, that's going to have routine maintenance or something like, you know, I think I'm a big bicyclist, right? I've got a basement full of bikes. You know, I get those serviced, you know, periodically throughout the year. Imagine a barcode on that. That makes it a lot easier for, you know, the store to track that um, throughout their process and, and remember it each time and what needs to be done this time. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, that connection of that physical thing to the digital side of it to the software side is really the the value of a of a label yeah my dry cleaners love staples they staple mm -hmm. everything they print the receipts <laughs> they staple it together your shirts they come back with a little thing looped through with two staples on them yep. that's why I like yeah they need to get a label printer so they can mm -hmm. put that on the <laughs> they don't the, more about staples and and I know staples aren't expensive. They're one of the cheapest things in the world. But I'm thinking like carpal tunnel from all the stapling <laughs> that they do for all this stuff. Because I have thousands of print. shirts. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Kate, can you expand? You can have the final word here. Any of the advancement we talked about, um, you know, in terms of outside of the food service space? I mean, well, I, I mean, we were talking about the Instacart. Like, I don't think that it's it's so funny because even post pandemic that like because you brought that up, that's just it's it's the convenience of doing the grocery shopping online. That's pulling up to the store, getting everything in. John talked about it um, and, and making sure proper labeling of those groceries is so crucial um, to make sure that the correct order gets into the correct car. Um, and nothing would upset a, a busy working parent more than waiting in the school car line to pick up the kids, then run to run them to whatever after school activity they have to get to the grocery store. That should be convenient service to only get home, realize when they get home, they get the ingredients and they don't have the ingredients they need to make dinner that night. <laughs> Um, I may or may not have had that happen to me. So <laughs> that, I was going to say there's some extra passion in that. This is not just an academic be. conversation. There might yeah. be. Um, so it, it's it, making sure that you know, it, and it could be just because the 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 all the groceries weren't even put in the car, or somebody else's bag was put in there, and just and just people weren't, or or they rode on it, or something along those lines. Um, you know, and nobody's perfect either. Um, I I saw a story on Reddit not too long ago that um. You know, del delivery driver took the took the goods to the wrong location, and um, but if there was if it was labeled properly, then the the person that actually got it could have given it to his or her neighbor and you know solved that. So it's just you know the it's just making sure that these products are being labeled properly and appropriately and staying ahead of error i mean it's just it's it, we're, we're we're human we're only human and and like john said it's it's combining the physical to the digital and we need to make sure that using labeling is actually a bridge to that gap yeah and we talked about again the, the, all these trends that are moving this direction if a grocery store gets the order wrong a couple times the consumer is not going to say well i guess i won't do online ordering anymore, they're going to say, I'm going to try somewhere else who can mm -hmm. handle this online yeah, ordering. Absolutely. So uh, again, absolutely. if you're a technology solution provider, you can save your end user customer from losing customers of their own. So, well, that does it for this episode of the Trusted Advisor. We hope that you enjoyed our discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSP YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also pre appreciate it if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better except when it comes to the Dallas Cowboys, but that's a whole other topic. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the retail technology industry, check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, big thanks again to Kate and John for sharing their wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA marketing director, Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, Thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the retail technology ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening and goodbye, everybody.